Are we live? The same connection interrupted. Okay. Uh, hey guys. Um, welcome back. Hope you're having a good Sunday evening. Uh, it is freaking blistering in this car right now, but that's okay. It's going to get cold here soon enough. I know I said I was going to make a minimum wage video and I was excited to make it. And then Day uh, Dayton and El Paso happened and I was like, Oh crap, no one's going to want to hear about minimum wage stuff. It's going to be gun stuff for the next several weeks. Um, but it's kind of left the news cycle uh, fairly quickly. Jeffrey Epstein has been more in the news than um, the shootings, which I guess that's actually kind of indicative of where we are with these things uh, right now. But anyway, I am going to make a couple of videos on that. You know, the very first video I ever did was after Parkland, and it was about mass shootings and looking at five aspects of it, of mass shootings, and, you know, what are some things we could do to understand them better and then to prevent them in the future. And so I'll, I'm not going to go through that whole video again. I'll link it in the description here uh, or in the comment uh, of this video. But the one I'm going to make about Dayton and El Paso specifically is going to use those same points because they totally apply to these two shootings and compare them. Um, look how they're like, how they're different, and how some of those things I was talking about, you know, over a year ago, a year and a half, I guess, at this point, um, still totally apply to these mass shootings. And I also want to make one about the NRA, um, and then just lobbying generally. There's a lot of talk about um, the NRA, and we're going to fight the NRA and get them out of politics and all this other stuff, and you know how controlling they are. And so, you know, I did some research into NRA's lobbying group and looked at other lobbying groups. Um, and so I just think there is some kind of a fascinating conversation to be had there. So I'm going to make a video about that as well, because there's a lot of talk about the NRA, but I don't think people understand them or just lobbying generally. And so I kind of want to help, I guess, inform on that. But speaking of things that I think that people don't really understand, this one's about minimum wage. I know it's not a sexy topic. I know it's not something that gets people going, you know, but pretty much everyone has an opinion on minimum wage. Everyone has a uh, at least a view or a feeling, or they know people that feel very strongly about it, and it's it's a big topic right now, right? It's one of the main policy uh, discussions in the Democratic candidates. Um, you know, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, I, and uh, like Bill De Blasio. All I think all of them have some opinion of minimum wage, and the discussion right now is raising up to fifteen dollars an hour. I think it was either Ayanna Presley or Rashida Tlaib maybe a month or so ago said that it should actually be $20 an hour. Um, so either way, even if this isn't something that's like on the forefront, like Medicare uh, or gun, you know, the gun conversation, gun control, whatever, uh, even if it's not a thing that's really on the forefront, it it is a big uh, topic of discussion, especially in this uh, primary season. And so I just kind of wanted to give... I guess an economic view of what minimum wage is really simply, I want to keep it really short because like I said, it's not super interesting, but uh, just like lobbying or other things, people have pretty strong opinions about these issues, understandably so, but they don't necessarily understand what a wage is or what labor is or these things just from a purely economic standpoint. Um, so that's kind of what I, what I want to talk about right now. And before I get to that, I want to tell you about this delicious coffee you should try. It's called Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. It's amazing. I get the unsweetened stuff, and I just drink it with milk, maybe a little bit of creamer. It's fantastic. It's like $4.50 for a bottle. 
If you get the chocolate one, oh man, that'll really knock your socks off. Mix a little milk in that. It's like chocolate milk. It is delicious. So I, you know, I pay around 450 and it's 48 ounces. Okay. 48 ounces is this delicious liquid. I'm not one who's usually into like, what is the newest thing? Um, but cold brew kind of came on the scene, uh, pretty popular in the last couple of years. And this stuff is amazing. Um, so like I said, you can get the quantity of it, 48 ounces, uh, for the price of about 450 at, you know, Walmart or whatever grocery store you go to. Um, and so the reason I bring that up is because what I kind of described there is supply and demand, right? So the company that makes this Stoke will supply me with 48 ounces of this delicious coffee in this bottle, um, at a price that the market has determined is about $4 and 50 cents, give or take, depending on where you are. Um, so that's what this is. It, this is a commodity. This adheres to the laws of supply and demand, but it's not just coffee and it's not just iPhones and it's not just cars and it's not just potato chips or beer or anything like that. Those are all the things we think about when we think of supply and demand, but that's not the only things that adhere to supply and demand. Your labor adheres to supply and demand. My labor adheres to supply and demand because the reality is, is labor is a good, just like this coffee, just like this coffee. And a wage is the price that the market or you and your employer have determined your labor is worth. That's all it is. A wage is the price at which an employer purchases your labor. That's it. And so, and I mean, think about it. What is a resume but an advertisement for your labor? What is a job interview but a sales pitch or a commercial uh, for your labor? That's what those are. Your labor is a commodity. You know, think about someone like uh, LeBron James or Tom Brady. They have a very unique and highly specified skill set in their labor. And because of how unique and how scarce it is, they can be paid a lot more for their labor because there's only one LeBron James. There's only one Tom Brady, et cetera. As much as I hate to give Tom Brady props as a Chiefs fan, but it's true. Um, so once you understand that your labor adheres to the laws of supply and demand and that wage is just simply a price that the employer is paying for the output of your labor or the prospective output, it's what they're hoping to get out of you. You can understand that a minimum wage is a minimum price put on that labor. So it's an outside governmental uh, entity saying the, the minimum that this person's labor is worth is X amount of dollars. And a, a lot of places, it's somewhere around the $7.50 range. And so just for the sake of argument, that's what we'll use whenever we're discussing it here is it's about $7.50. So, oh, and also because when you look at the way a lot of the, the candidates in the Democratic primaries right now are talking about it and other people who talk about minimum wage, kind of some of the talking heads, it's always the reason we want to increase it is because of the people that are being hurt who are currently making minimum wage or they can't support their family or they can't do this or they can't do that. Um, I'm, I'm not going to discuss whether or not I think someone should be able to support a family of four on, you know, while flipping burgers at McDonald's, that's, that's a whole other topic of conversation. But so we're going to look at what is probably the lowest minimum wage and how changing it to something like $15 an hour, um, just in pure economic terms, the effect that that would have and how you can maybe understand that transaction a little better. So let's say someone is making seven fifty an hour and all of a sudden the federal government says to the employer, whether it's a huge corporation or a small business, right? Small businesses employ a ridiculous amount of people. They say, hey, even though you were um, paying this person $7.50, now you have to pay $15 an hour for them. So we effectively have to pay twice as much for their labor 
as you previously were paying. Um, so to put that again in kind of more dispassionate terms, that'd be the same as if I went to the store tomorrow, to, so this is empty, went to the store tomorrow and, and I needed some more stoke and I went up to the clerk and I said, why does it say that this is $9? It's normally four fifty. Did they put more in it? Is it, you know, 96 ounces instead of 48 ounces? And the clerk said, oh, no, no, it, they just doubled the price. They didn't put any more coffee in the bottle. Um, how likely am I to buy that coffee? I'm less likely to buy that coffee. And if I don't stop buying it altogether, I will buy it significantly less frequently. Or I will find another place where I can purchase something similar for cheaper. So if you double the price of something without increasing the output, without increasing the quality, people are going to be less likely to buy that thing. Imagine if your phone broke um, and you went to the to Verizon or AT&T or whatever and you had the newest iPhone. I think that runs about a thousand bucks. The XS, I think it's called. And you go to the cell phone store and you said, hey, my phone's broken. I need a new phone. And the guy at the counter says, that's that's fine, man. We got this phone right here for you. You can... You can use this. It's great. It's going to be $2,000. And you say, holy crap, $2,000, man. Apple is really, they're, they're jacking these prices up. What does it do? Surely it has all of these new amazing features for it to be so expensive for me to own. And the store clerk says, no, it's actually the exact same phone you have right now. It doesn't do anything differently. It just costs twice as much. It's $2,000 instead of $1,000. How likely are you to buy that phone? Are you going to buy that same phone for two grand? Or are you going to find a different phone, a refurbished one? Or are you just not going to buy another one? Um, that is what happens whenever you increase the minimum price of a person's labor without increasing their output, which is pretty much impossible, uh, at least to double their output. If you, if an employer now has to pay twice as much for a person that they're employing, but that person's labor output doesn't double. What have they done? It's the same as me just buying this bottle of coffee for nine bucks instead of four fifty without getting any more coffee. People aren't going to do that. I mean, we saw that happen in Bernie Sanders' campaign very recently. I think it was about a month or so ago. They found out, hey, his campaign staffers weren't making fifteen dollars an hour, but he's going on the news every night and talking about how everyone needs to be paying their employees fifteen dollars an hour. He says okay. And he starts paying them fifteen dollars an hour, but did their output increase? Did the value of their labor increase? No, it didn't. And so they cut the hours. They purchased less of that labor because the output was less. And so it makes perfect sense. If you wouldn't pay $2,000 for the same iPhone that you paid $1,000 for if they didn't add anything to it, if you wouldn't buy a bag of your favorite chips for twice the price if they didn't add any new chips to it, or your favorite beer for twice the price if they didn't add any more cans or bottles to the package or coffee or whatever, then you cannot expect an employer to pay twice as much for a person's labor without getting more output from that person. It doesn't make any sense. They're not sitting around with these big bags of money that they can just throw at people the same way that you're not sitting there with all this extra money in your grocery budget to go, well, yeah, I guess I could pay twice as much for everything without getting any more out of it. You know, another way to think about it is imagine an employer who right before the minimum wage would be raised to $15 an hour, they're paying $750, and they're thinking, I could hire another employee. I could pay that two people $750 an hour and get 80 hours a week worth of labor from these two people. All of a sudden, the price goes up to $15 an hour for that labor. You've now, again, doubled the price. They can't, they're, instead of getting the output of two people, again, it's just one person, but the price has, has doubled. 
So they're gonna purchase less of that person, which means they're going to cut their hours, or they're gonna stop buying that product altogether, which is where you fire people, or they're gonna find alternative means of meeting that need that are cheaper. Go to McDonald's where they have these automated kiosks where you can place your order, it's already happening. And whenever you increase the labor of people without increasing the output, people are gonna find alternative means to meet the need that that labor supplies. So regardless of how you feel about it, which by the way, I make less than $15 an hour, I would benefit from that, but it wouldn't make any sense for me to expect an employer to pay me more without the output of my labor increasing or you know getting new responsibilities or something like that. Um, so regardless of how you feel about it, I know that that comes off you know maybe cold or unemotional, but from a pure economic standpoint, Whenever you're talking about minimum wage or thinking about it or you hear someone else think about it, think back to what I pay twice as much for this cell phone without getting any more out of it. Would I pay twice as much for this other product that I like without getting more out of it? Or would I buy it as, as frequently? So think about something you buy every single week or even every day. Would you buy as much of it if the price doubled without you getting any more out of it? You might still purchase it, but you're just going to purchase it a lot less, at least in most cases. So anyway, that's kind of my spiel on minimum wage. It's Wage is a price, labor is a good, wage is a price paid for that good, period. It's really that simple. Once you understand it like that, then you can understand the difficulties in just increasing minimum wage across the board without any consideration to the value of that labor or how that inputs or how that impacts how much an employer is going to be willing to purchase that labor um, or if they purchase it all or just fire people or cut their hours. Um, so it does have negative consequences. There's places they've tried it at 15 um, and it did not work. It was a dismal fail because people hired less and they got their hours cut. Um, anyway, so that's all I have to say about that. Like I said, uh, if you have any, I mean, if you have any criticisms, if you think I missed something, put it in the comments. I'd love to see it. If you like videos like this, feel free to share it. Feel free uh, to like, subscribe. I'm going to put a link to my YouTube channel in the comment for this as well. I was hoping to be live streaming on YouTube as well, but this uh, Apple computer is old and not very useful. So maybe I need to get a new computer and I will buy whatever the market has determined the price is. Um, anyway, I'm going to make some videos, like I said, about gun stuff, about lobbying, um, the NRA, and then just some th aspects of mass shooting generally. Um, and then probably try to make some content gearing up for the next round of the Democratic debates here in a couple weeks. I think it's in September, middle of September, something like that. I'll take a look. Um, anyway, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. And I'll check you guys later.